Hello, welcome along to episode four of Father Nature. Is it episode four? It, it is. is isn't it, it is. Yeah, episode four. Nice. Um, today we're going to be talking about Lamas. Neither Rob nor I know what Lamas is, but so John's going to be talking. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be a Father Nature heavy pod. This one, um, but we both will, and everyone listening at home is going to know what it is and actually how crucial it is. Wouldn't you say, John? Well, in as far as I'm concerned, anything that reflects sort of the wheel of the year and seasons in a really positive vein is crucial. Yeah, I think it keeps us present as well as looking forward positively. Mm. But we'll start as ever by rounding up our last couple of weeks since we last recorded. And as is tradition, we start with what's happened in Rob's life. Because there's been... It's almost been a little split, hasn't there, amongst the podcast in terms of we know that you get the lion's share of the wealth with, uh, <laughs> with the things that you do after recording. And it's gone a slight step in a different direction this week because you have actually received fan mail, haven't you? I have. Yeah, I think the uh, the postman's back's a bit sore with all the amount of, <laughs> the amount of mail he's bringing me. But uh, no, Liv's uncle has very kindly sent me a bird song book. So um, no, it's been awesome. We've um, it's it's come at a really good time as well because I'd noticed some different birds in the garden, and it's been really good to sort of help me confirm what I thought I was hearing. So I think the big one for me is that. The loads there's been so many swifts recently and that you can hear them screeching through the sky and i think you know yeah had a little read in uh, in the book that was sent through and it was uh nice no, lovely so yeah first bit of fan mail tick yeah who are we shouting out to for that um uncle michael uncle michael thank you very yeah, much well yeah. done, uncle michael. No, that's great book much. and what awesome. is the book what is what's it called so it's called bird watching with your eyes closed by simon barnes um, and yeah, it's it's basically, I think it breaks it down by season. So what you might expect to hear season by season and also um, sort of how advanced you are as well with birdsong. So it's really well laid out. And um, there is actually an accompanying podcast to go with it. So you can sort of listen to all the birdsong that they're talking about. Haven't yet listened to that, but uh, no, definitely will do. And um, but no, no, it's awesome. So thanks again, And if again, you're listening, Mike. Simon as well. Shout out your podcast. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to return the favour, <laughs> that'd be excellent. Well, the four words by Bill Oddie. So, if we can somehow get him involved, in it. <laughs> we should be writing four words, shouldn't we, for, for books for like Bill. that soon? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that would be a goody idea, but you're too young to even know what I'm on about, are you? No, yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, we'll um, right. So, any observations, questions, etc., Rob, from your last couple of weeks? 
Yeah, I've got a few bits. So I thought I'd start by giving an update on my sister's pond. So the last question was around tadpoles and when will they turn to frogs and um, all of that. So they have now since seen some tiny little frogs. So um, I think the same sort of size that you guys were talking about last episode. So like you say, like a two penny piece kind of thing. Um, so no, yeah, they've been out there. They've um, yeah, they've seen a few frogs now. They've still got tadpoles. They've said they've still still got a few, and I think. Uh, yeah, Mikey had seen um, some cannibalisation going on out there. Yes, where, yeah. Which was sounded quite traumatising. But uh, on the whole, no, it's been a success on the frog front. In, good. Uh, oh, that's good news. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't some sort of like congenital thing that's or some sort of virus or fungal infection or something, which I know, I think we mentioned that they can get, but sounds like they were just a bit of a late mm. spawning. And uh, if the lion's share can get away, that, that stands that frog population in good stead. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it will be interesting to see, you know, how that cycles back around next sure. year as well. So, yeah. So, no, happy times of all of that. Um, the other, so I do have one question, and it's um, a question from a friend at work. She has a balcony with some wisteria on it. Um, and she's uh, really into birds and bird song and, um, you know, and all that kind of thing. So, um, she has observed that, so two blue tits will come into. Hang on, sorry. You have to sorry. You have to pronounce it blue tits. You you, <laughs> you definitely you over it and emphasize the second syllable there. <laughs> say it again. You, you well, it's, they're blue well, tits. How should I say blue tits? Blue tits. Yeah, not blue tits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two blue tits. Is that better? That's that was much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two blue tits. <laughs> <laughs> so they okay. So she had two birds come to the balcony. Uh, so one, uh, and she basically sees the same ritual um, each time they come so she'll notice that one feeds off the feeder and another one comes besides it and sort of like ruffles its feathers um and then they start they both kind of shake and tremor wag their tails and they both bow down and it can go on for hours apparently and so she thought it might be something to either mark that they're not predatory or like it's not to not be threatening to each other or the opposite (laughs) Well, first of all, I'd just like to say fantastic that somebody is identifying great natural history observation on a balcony. That's Mm. first and foremost. It makes it, it's just brilliant. So anyone who's got a balcony, that's your proof that, you know, you can really make a difference. Uh, So this blue tip behaviour, so, and it's a behaviour you'll see in an awful lot of birds, is actually the fledgling birds sort of uh, prompting the parent to be fed. So... Obviously, when they're in a nest, they have uh, just a wide open mouth, which is called gapes, and that will prompt... Is that where the term gaping mouth comes from? Yeah, I guess so. Mm, and nice. um, the the parent birds are, you know, they're, they're stimulated to actually plunge down into those gapes with their food load. But once they've fledged and they're fledglings, they kind of have to sort of... It, it is very much like a courtship behaviour, and that's the other side you'll see it, but I'm sure that wouldn't have been happening with these blue tits. Mm. What, it, what it would have been is actually the young birds literally trying to get the lion's share of the food. So they're, I think you said there were two or three mm. at the time. Yeah, two. They often have quite large broods uh, because they, they do lose a lot to predation and such like. But as far as that behaviour goes, 
if if you watch carefully you might find that the adult birds they're they're pecking off insects and such like from the wisteria and then they'll come down next to the birds that are sort of fluttering and sort of you know puffing their feathers up and feed them right okay and when they're fed generally they'll calm down a little bit and wait for uh mum or dad bird to have some more food to offer so yeah that would be what i'd reckon it is if it were much earlier in the year february march that would be um adult birds with courtship behavior right okay. sort of a, a prelude to mating very good okay no i'll pass that on thank you mm. anything else robbie that was it for questions okay i've got an observation there we go <laughs> it's about seeing, my pronunciation no seeing as we are at your house and you show us around your beautiful garden lots of lovely house plants which you mentioned in the last episode in a previous episode lockdown lessons you mentioned that uh, the community spirit in the area that you live in <sighs> and how you had offered to mow your elderly neighbor's lawn and i was very impressed to see a lovely lawn a uh, lovely mowed lawn when i came round so what was it like i'm going to hell aren't i <laughs> Did you help out? No, and I saw her do it, which is the, <laughs> which is the worst thing. Like, I know, it's terrible. Like, uh, so you watched her mow her lawn? Yeah, I mean, I was working, but it's no excuse. Like, yeah, I saw her do it a couple of weeks back. It was before the big heat wave, I will, I will add that. But I think I even texted you at the time saying, Irene's mowing her lawn. And, um, yeah, obviously I haven't got away with that one. So, no, the offer still stands, but... Uh, <laughs> no, Irene's beat me to the punch there. Yeah, I mean, she actually... The thing I like about that is that she has received your offer. She's looked you up and down and she thought, no, actually, I'll do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> she's seen my garden and thought, yeah. sod that. <laughs> um, elsewhere, so obviously I... Well, I had a birthday in the the last week didn't I thank happy birthday happy thank belated. you yeah thank you um, <laughs> and we were in the Cotswolds Rich and I and lots of lovely nature experiences actually um, so we went kayaking on my actual birthday and loads of damselflies loads of dragonflies which was really cool and were they doing the mating dance that you saw uh, no actually they weren't Mm. Probably slightly, yeah. There's, they should still be doing it. Sort of, it's coming to the slightly to the end of the season, but um, mm. there, there would still be some about, and there's yeah. there's still quite a few things emerging. Yeah. So no, they weren't. I was because it was my birthday. So, <laughs> yeah, but they weren't. Um, but the best observation was, and the most unusual and unique, not unusual in in what they were and where they were, but. We were kayaking back and there were a group of swans, um, clearly a dad swan, a mum swan, and then I think it was seven cygnets. Wow, that's a big bird. But they were, mm. they were right ahead of us and you couldn't get past them. Mm. So what we did is we kayaked to the side and we tucked ourselves right in and we just waited basically because I didn't want to 
go at them because they can be quite vicious, can't they? Swans. There's something quite unnerving about a swan, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, I, I like yeah, looking at mm, them, but they're big and they are close. strong, and they're they're especially uh, they're especially sort of um, volatile if they've mm. got young with them. If well, they've that's got right. said, yeah. yeah, and. Um, because there was always that rumour at school that you'd hear the whole time, oh, yeah, a, a swan's wing can break, break your, your arm. arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. Anyway, so all was this going through my head. So I was just said to Rach, right, just get to the side, be as quiet as possible. Um, and for some reason, I said, don't look them in the eye. Um, <laughs> I don't know, some, well, most animals think it's aggressive when you look them in the eye, don't they? A lot of them, anyway. It can, it can be a threat. Yeah. Um, mm. So I was like, don't look it in the eye. Um Stay quiet and don't move too much as well and try and make yourself fairly small. And anyway, so we did this and I'll put this on our Instagram, but the, obviously the father swan. He's came, called a cob, by the way. Oh, a cob. Okay. Yeah. What's the mum called? Pen. Okay. Um, so the cob came right up to us. He swat, So he left the, what was it? The mum? The pen. 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 Yeah. He left the pen and the signets and he clearly came right up to us checked us out he was challenging you. yeah he challenged me he, he cha- a tete to tete mate he came right up to me and um yeah he like literally stared me down and then he sort of gave his tail a wag obviously an instruction to them that it was safe for them to come through they all came past um and then he stayed until they were all past and gone and then eventually he followed them as well and we paddled like mad um but it was just really it was one of those nature connection moments where you think well (laughs) this is going to sound quite funny but he was trying to protect his loved ones and in a funny sort of way i was as well because i was saying to rach right this is what we should try and do so that we don't get attacked by this vicious um but you know like we were too if it wasn't for you, Rach could have ended up as his pen. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he was quite a good-looking swan as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, I just thought it was a, one of those weird little moments, like interaction with an animal, and you kind of know what they're thinking, what they're displaying, and then obviously he, he just had one thing in mind, which was to keep his family safe, and then move on and we went our and own you're way very down much like the... in their domain aren't you yeah, yeah of course right. and there's that respect and um, he's obviously you know he's he's obviously a feisty individual mm, amongst right his up. type because the proof's in the pudding and he's got did you say seven six seven surviving so, yeah it was yeah i think it was six or seven yeah, and yeah. i mean that that's that's a good size a good to survive you know because yeah, that's a good point. The, the younger they are uh the more vulnerable i know that's an obvious thing to say but sort of when when they first hatch, well, before they hatch, just as eggs, they're vulnerable to crows and such like. Foxes will take eggs. Uh, as they get, when they're first um, hatched, they uh, take to the water pretty much straight away. So they're vulnerable to, amongst other things, there's, there's things like pike and mink, uh, weasels, stoats, uh, various corvids and foxes again. And so... You know, as Dad Swan, he's yeah. he's obviously exceptionally good because I I can't think that I mean they're not usually that successful. No, and the, he was big as well. 
I was going to say, because if you're in a animals. kayak, you must... And he... He towered know, over me. Yeah, I was going to say, you must have been like beat to beat. <laughs> yeah, we were, mate. We were beat to beat. Uh, I could have had him. Like, oh, yeah. Anyway, if I want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. Like, uh, I, it was your birthday, you didn't want to... Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, you didn't. But it was one of those where I was, I was advising Rach with my best um, guess at what we should do, <laughs> <laughs> knowing that at any moment... It could have either been the wrong advice. Your arm would have been broken. This this swan was about to yeah break mm. my arm. Um, but yeah, so that was our encounter. We also the place we were staying. They had uh, when we turned up, they had a little Jack Russell who just had three puppies, which was amazing. Nine week old puppies. And the woman actually told me quite a funny story because um, she said you have to be really careful, obviously, with where you buy dogs, which we all know you have to be mm-hmm. exceptionally careful with who you buy from and who you sell to as well. Um, and she said that one of her friends bought a puppy and about a week or so after she said well it's getting on all right but it's quite bitey um and anyway uh, it grew up and it turned out it was a fox (laughs) 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 which made me laugh um and I also wanted to say that for my birthday, a number of our listen- listeners um, got me some houseplants. Oh, great. So, yeah, uh, very kindly, Rachel's parents got me one, which I'm yet to ID. Um, I sent you the photo of it. Um, and our friends, Freya and Ollie as well, got me a fern. No, yes. oh, so I've no, got a fern. Yeah. You look after And her. having seen your fern now... Mm. Well, mine's much bigger. Well, I've got a bigger fern. <laughs> yeah, but my fern is now content, happy, full and bushy. Yeah, no, I guess so. Uh, anyway, it'd be nice to sort of have that little ongoing fern rivalry um, between her and Rach. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, two more things before we move on to the actual theme of this episode. Firstly, Rob, how'd you get on with the homework? So just to remind people, it was to go to your spot... Your nature spot, and I believe it was to take a cutting, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was to go to the spot, yeah, have a look around, have a close look at the plants, and then if you could uh, nab a seed, then do so. If not, try and take a cutting. Um, so I've done the homework, but I have to say I've not had great success with it. So um, I went, yeah, to the log, had a look around, um, and took a cutting of um, an elder plant, so elderberries, um which were lovely and it's one of the first like um plants i clocked when i went to the log one of the first time because it was in flower at that point like they were nice and white and it was yeah it was nice so took three cuttings um and brought them back with me and potted each of them individually and so i stripped back most of the leaves other than the top ones um gave them a good old water and they've just not done much at all. And in fact, they've died. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know whether I wasn't helped by the weather at that time, because this was like peak heat wave. So I don't know whether that wasn't so great. Um, but no, not had great success with that. Um, but I have had quite a lot of success in the garden since Grow Your Own, growing other bits. Um for those of you that have um, followed the Instagram account, I did 
um, go back and make my herb bath again, which has been great. Yeah. yeah. So I did that a couple of days after recording um, the third episode and literally just went down to Sainsbury's and saw that they had all of the herb pots and just thought, yeah, like definitely just going to just pick them up and do it. And so, yeah, I did that a couple of weeks ago and they've come on leaps and bounds since. And I think, again, probably helped by the weather in that we've had a lot of sunshine and now a lot of rain. Um, but yeah, I've absolutely loved that with the, um, you know, cooking with that and yeah, just tending to it. So yeah, I've had mixed success in the garden, the homework, not so great, but yeah, growing other things. But that's the point as well, like that this, not everything that you try and we're all trying new different things is going to work. So don't get disheartened if you try something and it doesn't work, you know, either try something different or think about why it might not have worked and try again etc etc in in keeping with our theme of lamas tonight i i bought i I wrapped up a lovely sheaf of uh oats and the idea of it was to just lay it on the table my sheaf of oats alongside a load of different grasses that we had just grown in the garden by the the wild patch our little sort of like mini meadow bit where it's just left to go wild for wildlife and I just wanted to to look at it so that we could all sort of like appreciate and try and put into words this amazing ability to take something that's pretty much just grasses and keep trying to breed it and selectively breed it and end up with something like oats, which is, of course, just a grass, as are barley and wheat and such like, which we'll go on to talk about. And the great thing about it all is I forgot it. <laughs> so there you go. But yes, no, I did have a, a shout out um, to probably, um, well, I would say definitely our furthest away podcast listener, um, the lovely Sophie from Perth, who um, is enjoying our podcast. And I wanted to thank her massively for her kind words. In fact, she sent a, a lovely sort of some photos and a little video clip of some of the sort of areas that she goes to connect with nature more. And it it really was brilliant for me because in listening to the uh, clip, of course, I was just straight away tuning into the bird song and such like and thinking, I don't know any of these birds. You know, take me out of my environment and I'm if you like, in the same situation as you, listening to lovely bird song and thinking, who's making that? So, so thank you, Soph. If you'd like to be part of the Father Nature tribe, follow us on our social media accounts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Father Nature HQ. You can also email us directly. Our address is fathernaturehq at gmail.com. Right, let's move on to Lamas then, which basically, a term that we will all be more familiar with, is the Harvest Festival. That's right. That's, our, that's why, even though you might not have heard of the term Lamas, um, I think we've all heard of it via Harvest Festival, which is basically the um, the, the Christianized version of Lamas. So Lamas uh, is a pagan festival. Uh, it occurs on... Just when you say pagan, what do you actually mean? Because so, I think it's got a different usage these days. The Well, yeah, the dictionary definition of a pag- pagan was a village dweller. Um, 
But for me, pagan beliefs represent pretty much indigenous beliefs in perhaps what you might call the North North Hemisphere, especially sort of Europe, um, before the Roman times and before Christianity. Uh, So you're talking, there's a huge variation in those beliefs, whether it was sort of from sort of England or Ireland and whether it was Celtish or whether it was Druid or, you know, there's so, there's a a lot of variations. And of course, nearly everything was passed down uh, by word of mouth. Very few people were able to read or write. Um, There's, there's quite a few sort of, slightly different i don't know if you'd even call it languages but um signs that were used rune signs and such like uh stone formations various other sort of things that sort of would would mark occasions and celebrations uh according to the time because of course it was no use writing it down because no one could read or write okay i've got confused so pagan is spelt p-a-g-a-n yeah and pagan, the insult used, for example, in some Stormzy songs. P A I G O N. What that, does that I don't mean? know. Um, urban dictionary. I'm urban dictionary. Yeah, pagan basically means enemy. It oh. Says um, someone who does nothing, someone who is not worth your time. Synonym: waste man. Ah. Just for our listeners who may be more familiar with the other pagan that's not what we're referring to no um <laughs> we're not we're not referring to a person who is a liar or backstabber <laughs> um, but yes okay so carry on um father right so where were we august the first so it is august the first this day it's august the first but the this is what they call a cross-quarter um celebration in terms of uh it's halfway between the summer solstice or the uh, autumn equinox and uh, so we did the summer solstice of course mm-hmm. a few weeks back and now we're halfway towards uh, the autumn equinox and so it's planetary it's, again it's planetary again it's 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 about the the, the alignment of sun and earth basically uh, as opposed to a moon festival uh but um it's very much when we talked about uh summer we were talking about the importance of recognizing seasons and such like and this is actually incredibly seasonal because it's it's what you might call applied seasonal because it's all about farming in many respects so lamas which uh the i think lamas uh equates to a loaf mass mm-hmm. and uh, is very much linked with um, grain and uh, and grain crops, wheat, barley, uh, rye and oats. And uh, so it's about celebrating not just the harvest, but well, it's about celebrating the whole harvest. It's not necessarily the end of the harvest. So it wouldn't, although we say August the 1st, and that is the time of this sort of planetary alignment, uh, it's not necessarily the time when you would expect to either start or end a harvest, because that's very dependent on when you planted, 
what the season was like as far as weather goes and of course where you are in country so if you're way up country you're going to harvest a bit later usually if you're sort of down south or you go down southwest Cornwall and such like you will uh, harvest earlier so traditionally Lammas has been celebrated sort of not necessarily at the end or start of harvest it's just the date but but let's say the average sort of date so our listeners may see in the surrounding weeks farmland being uh the crops being harvested basically yeah so if you're if you're where we are in sort of surrey sussex hampshire area if you look around you if you're on your train journey or on a car journey or something like that you'll go past a whole number of fields that are completely light brown in color and this will probably be uh wheat or barley or it could be oats and for us it's a waiting harvest so in the next literally week or two they will start harvesting it they have to decide on the sort of uh the moisture content of the actual grain and also they don't usually harvest at all if it's wet because it goes through very very um, complex machinery now to obviously extract the grain from the actual plant whereas before it would have taken a huge amount of manpower to get in things would have been scythed and then threshed and then the uh, grain would have to be dried and I think they call it uh, winnowing where they sort of take all the husks off and then it needs storing. So it's a huge amount of work. And that's why I think this celebration is and always has been quite a profound celebration. Because not only is it celebrating a massive amount of work that's been done. But of course the survival of your your whole village or community might depend on the successful taking in of that crop. And... Uh, now obviously things are, are are very different because things are very mechanized but for me the importance of recognizing it is just the fact that actually producing food whether it was back then or now is still a massively important thing and uh the, the fact that we do produce so much food um and that you know obviously the how local it is is quite another thing but that's another subject but um in general terms in this country we do have enough food for everyone and you know unlike sadly some parts of the world people don't generally die of starvation in the western world and that's that's down to the fact that we have all got sufficient food stocks so over these few weeks this period of however many weeks this may be a stupid question but Every single bit of food that relies on crops for however long into the future before the next harvest, it's all going to come from this period of time. They're not going to do another harvest later in the year, if you see what I mean. So all the bread that relies on a crop will come from this harvest. Well, yes and no. As far as from this this country is providing the raw raw ingredient yes but of course we do import a huge amount of grain mm. uh, okay, i got this this yeah. country then so basically yes this is the only time of year mm. if i'm reading you right that we harvest grain yeah that's what i mean yeah. so this will just happen at this time of the year that's right which makes it hugely important 
because it's massively important yeah so if you and you can see but like back in the day where we didn't have any such thing as imports or the ability to transport such huge quantities of food if you had a crop failure whether it was through sort of like um, bad weather or rodent infestation or mold or something like that then that was significant you know it was that, that livelihood it's your life yeah, yeah yeah if you didn't have enough to get through um because of course the the the, the beauty about grain is that if it's treated properly you can store it whereas you know so many things uh like vegetables and such like you have to try and produce seasonally and produce a variation according to the season so you get a constant supply because you just can't store them you know they they start to break down they've got a high water content and uh they just will either shrivel up or go moldy or go slimy or whatever but they won't last so for the grains which is you know our our sort of main carbohydrate um that's that would have been yeah massively important and rob have you had you ever heard of lamas never no did no. you think we were doing a podcast on llamas? On llamas, yeah. I, I watched The Emperor's New Groove just to, uh, for a bit of homework. No, I think I had... Is there another word for it? Lu- yes. Lu- Lunasar. So, I, yeah, I think I, I recognise that word. I can't say yeah. I, it had that much meaning to me or Again, it's I a, celebrated it. it, it, it it's, it's a pagan uh, celebration. P-A-G-A-N. Yeah, pagan. and yes. I think Lunasar is more a, a sort of like Irish version. Right. Um, and uh, I think that was honouring the um, Loon, or Loon uh, who was the Sun King um, in in sort of Irish mythology, Irish lore, folklore, you know, whatever you, you, you want to call it. So two different names. And again, you know, it depends what form of paganism or if you follow Wiccan. You, you'll often get the same celebration called different things, which is exactly, you know, if we bring ourselves up to date and, or I say up to date, if you if you follow the, the Christian doctrine, you would think, well, this is Harvest Festival. And they, bread is hugely symbolic in Christianity as being bread of life. And, you know, Jesus broke the bread. And and that's apparently something that's very critical. You don't slice bread, you break bread. Which is where Loaf Mass Day presumably comes from, the, the name Loaf Mass Day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because um, when I think Harvest Festival, do you think the same thing, Rob? Well, I just... What do you think? <laughs> I think I, what I remember of Harvest Festival as a kid is like bringing a load of tins from the cupboard that yes. that your mum wasn't going to cook with, basically. Yeah, yeah. and so putting it had them nothing in a, to do with like fresh food. Yeah, and putting them in a box. Yeah, and sending them yeah, off. But I guess the reason, perhaps, why we did that was because of this whole giving thanks for an abundance of crops, and then you would send food to uh, people who perhaps didn't have access to such foods it certainly if you think about it's very much involved has a community involvement because bread making might have been done by individuals but growing grain would never have been done by individuals this was done always by arable farmers because if you just 
if you just had a garden you wouldn't have an you would have to be a massive garden you'd have to go through the whole process of every single family doing a, a type of harvesting equivalent and storage mm. for the grain so yeah i think traditionally um the the grain products would have been and grain itself would have been always something that was brought into a huge community vat and sold back out to the community as opposed to sort of like self-catered if you want did, did they do that um, when you were at school we the had harvest festival. festival i have to say it wasn't so much tins and stuff it was it was more sort of fruit and vegetables and such like um i i guess i grew up in a fairly small village where there was an awful lot of vegetable gardeners because i mean i i didn't even realize until i got to secondary school that not everyone grew their own veg it just was what what happened it was our norm uh were you? Did you give tins? It wasn't just yeah. me. No, right. yeah. Well, yeah, it was just yeah. your family. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was supposed to be fresh produce. Everyone was up rocking up with a freshly yeah. baked loaf of bread. I mean, yeah, tin of baked beans. Mm. Yeah, we had to put like little toys in and stuff as well. Oh, well, that's interesting because symbolically, I think we are talking about. Have we already mentioned corn dollies? No. no. So, with the first and last sheaves of corn that were cut from the crop. They used to take the um, the actual the straw is the section underneath it basically. So you've got the the head of the plant, which is where all the seeds are. That's what we want. The straw, extremely valuable as bedding and for animal food. Uh, but they used to take the straw and make corn dollies. Again, it's another pagan sort of su- superstition thing, like a doll. Yeah, literally right. like a doll, but of woven from straw. Okay. And uh, you'd have, as I say, the first and, and last sheaves were seen as sacred. And then these would be p- used as part of the harvest celebrations that would follow, which was basically, you know, a good old-fashioned piss-up, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, But again, huge variations between what might be happening in the counties sort of in the west country to up north or over the east so so big variations in it but you can still if you just google corn dollies huge variations and what's the dolly supposed to actually signify sorry well they were signifying sort of the corn mother right which was sort of the crop itself and i don't quote me on this but it's something along the something like the um the grain child or something like this which is the grain that is kept for the following year because obviously before the days of uh plant breeding and sort of having f1 hybrids as they call them you kept a good percentage back which would be your seed for the next year to be grown right yeah it's it's all slightly changed now but um as i say back in the day um, they would have needed to uh, guarantee their next harvest by keeping the best seeds uh, to replant. And um, yeah, because for our transatlantic listeners, they of course know the Harvest Festival as probably their biggest celebration of the year, which is Thanksgiving, which is their similar is um, it? celebration. Oh, it's thought- not till well, in America. Yeah, it's not till November. Yeah. That's, that's when 
I think traditionally the same sort of thing where they and interestingly in they celebrate it earlier in Canada because the harvest season arrives earlier because they're north right. hem- northern hemisphere mm. so it's different okay. climate mm. uh, and I'm trying to keep a straight face while saying that because um <laughs> My friend Ollie actually told me that fact, and I said I was going to steal it for the podcast, but I have to credit him for that. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Ollie. You said it very knowledgeable. Yeah, that's the best thing I've actually said um, four <laughs> episodes, uh, but the most informative, anyway. Um, so yeah, so that you know, Thanksgiving's absolutely huge in America. It's bigger than Christmas time, and that's around the same sort of subject of having food to eat and the crops being uh, harvested. Yeah. And that puts you in touch with it. You know, this is, as I always have said, sort of, we talk about reconnection for nature. For me, humankind farming is what has become part of our nature. So it's still very much sort of part of the whole reconnection thing for me. That You know, if whether it's a field of uh, wheat or a field of potatoes or, you know, whatever crop Power it is. Outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All that stuff. It's um, it's 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 part of nation. It's it putting you in in contact with stuff that it's just so easy to take for granted. You know, if you pull your cornflakes out in the morning, do you really think about where that corn came from? If indeed it's corn, and uh, you know, do you think about the milk? Whether you use, you know, oat milk or cow's milk or whatever do you do you think about where it came from and the process to get it to you uh this for me is all part of the reconnection and it's not a, an issue of judging it's not a question of trying to pick holes in people for choosing one thing or another it's just a question of like the fun of making yourself a bit more aware really Our podcast is the perfect start as you seek a deeper connection with the natural world. But why not take it one step further? If you're liking what you're hearing from Father Nature, why not book a day with our resident nature expert, Johnny Taylor? Whether it's one-to-one, group sessions, or a corporate day to enhance your staff's well-being, we have all elements of nature connection covered. Guided walks, fire lighting, foraging, bushcraft are just some examples of what we offer. We will tailor the day to suit your needs. Just email us at fathernaturehq at gmail.com or send us a message on our social media accounts at fathernaturehq to let us know you're interested and we'll get straight back in touch. Right, let's move on to how we can celebrate this then and how our listeners can celebrate it because you jotted down some ideas, Father, uh, which I think people would love to try out. And what you mentioned as well is this is how you can literally connect to this celebration in terms of marking it in some sort of way mm. on August mm. 1st. Well, I mean, Harvest Festival is really a classic way to enjoy it. You know, it's it should be about um, sort of the joy of producing food and the joy of sharing food. Uh, I would say other ways to sort of like make it slightly more uh, personalised is also to celebrate all things grain. Um, Hopefully not too many gluten-free listeners here. Uh, But make something as simple as bannocks. And uh, bannocks is is basically you don't need yeast. So you don't need for the whole thing to 
you mix your dough it's basically water flour and bicarb and uh and you can make dough twists and uh so you just mix it into a, a, a sort of sticky dough roll it into a sausage curl it around the end of a stick and just bake it over your nice open fire that you've made to celebrate lamas and then uh you can drink lots of beer with it which of course is uh also made from barley, and sounds like uh, a good excuse. Yeah, it yes, yes. celebrating lamas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm just celebrating. I'm going to nip out and celebrate yeah. lamas. <laughs> celebrating the harvest. <laughs> yeah, but also any other, any other, like I can remember Rob. I think for the last podcast, your homework before that was, or or something that you chose to do was to cook an entirely seasonal meal. Yeah this is exactly the same mm. what what's being harvested now keep your eye on the countryside and sort of or of course on your vegetable garden if you're lucky enough to have one what's really coming out of it now and um you know thrive on those a bit really but um so yeah try basically what we're saying is maybe try and take a grain and make something with it well it's interesting if you look at when you're out next in your country area, this and another, there will be a lot of grasses, which, you know, we've we've hopefully got past all the the time when the grass pollen is out and everyone's sneezing and such like. Just run your fingers through those grass stems, and you'll see that there's dozens of varieties. And just look at the seeds which come into your hand, and then if you do get a chance, if you're on a nice walk and you go past some fields. Check out the barley or wheat, or indeed learn to identify barley and wheat. And uh, if you just, I mean, particularly with uh, barley is quite a good one. You can just literally, if you pick up an ear of it, I think it's called an ear, uh, and just rub it between your hands, that does the winnowing and gets all those sort of fluffy outer scales off. And just chew it up. And it goes like bubblegum. And this is why, basically, it needs cooking. This is the the lovely thing about fire. It makes these things digestible. Because actually, grass and uh, just raw uh, grains are relatively difficult to digest. So they they do need some sort of processing. But, yeah, I can remember a lot. We used to sort of just use it like a a chewing gum. Mm -hmm. uh, So people might be able to, for example bake bread or make biscuits yeah i wouldn't i mean it, that's a good way to celebrate but you you do need to buy flour oh yeah um you know you're, you're I'm not asking them to, to farm their it's own quite difficult to mill and grain the uh, to mill these things and to grind them and yeah but it's like. more the association so it's, you, it's exactly that it's just to celebrate i mean it's it's a, a great if if you don't want to bake bread then why not go down the baker's and actually buy a really unusual loaf a rye mm. bread or something something like that something Nibbies, something uh, just mm. that is different <laughs> yeah what's um, your favorite bread rob um of a weekend I'll, I'll go and buy like a fresh loaf from a local bakery and i don't know i don't really have a favorite the, the bakery does nice cheer batter does nice sourdough but then I just quite like, you know, like a tiger bread. Do you know what I mean? From like fresh bakery from one of the big supermarkets. That is gorgeous. Well. Yeah, so, I love a bread. Have you ever baked your own? Um, not with much success, but I have tried it. And I did actually try it in lockdown one 
you know, do you remember that time where like getting hold oh, of flour yeah. was like yeah. the banana bread era? <laughs> exactly or, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did actually try and do because I don't think I was able to buy self raising because it was like it was like um, gold dust at the time. So I tried making a focaccia, um, and that was all right. It smelled, it, it tasted okay. But yeah, I would like to give that another go. Um, but no, I've never. There's nothing better than fresh bread, is there? But I've never the smell of it. The smell yeah. of it. But um, no, I've never mastered it myself. So I, I think I might give that a mm. go. Well, you like your beer as well. Have you ever tried to make beer? No, again, that's something I would like to do. But and it's always something I that I said I would do once I got my own place with like a shed or something outdoors. Um, no, it's something I'm quite keen to try. And again, like I've tried. Well. John's given me home brews. Not that you've done yourself, but like, oh, from Paolo. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's the one that, that hit the ceiling. That when we <laughs> recorded it, it was like an F1 podium, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah. that was a spruce beer, I think. Yeah. And um, but yes, no, he's he's done some good beer with hops as well. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, so right. I think listeners might not be able to uh, make their own beer. If you can, then brilliant. Send us photos, etc., or give it a go making something and sending us some pictures as well. Or just have a beer. Um, it's a nice excuse, I think, to try something local. And I've tried to mm. do that. I've tried to do that in London and here as well. Um, but, like, I always find it fascinating that most towns, even, like, small towns, have a brewery. Or at mm. least you'll have a brewery mm. within, like, a sort of five-mile radius. And I just think it's quite a nice excuse to look into that. And Definitely, yeah. Because all their beers, like, will always be seasonal. You know, the beer is very seasonal as well. And... Um, yeah, I've tried to do that um, since moving, and actually the shop around the corner they stock some local ones. So mm, that's I think, nice. yeah, I'll try and get yeah. a couple of local ones in. I think your challenge is to go down a pub on August the first and see how many people you can ask. <laughs> you, 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 you celebrating Lammas as well? <laughs> <laughs> Good harvest this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good crop, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, cool. So bake bake something or make something. Go for. Uh, perhaps go for a walk and experience uh, crops um, experience crops is not the best way to put it but you know what I mean go yeah, out and take a closer look yeah, yeah. Um, do a homegrown dinner or perhaps get something from you know a farm shop or organic shop which is local and try that out on August 1st to celebrate um, or just have a beer mm. but have friends round yeah tell them about the podcast <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, for sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you're enjoying the Father Nature podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you do three simple things for us. Leave us a nice review, recommend us to a friend and hit the subscribe button. All three things really help us to reach more people. So that's review, recommend, subscribe. Thank you. Right, so just to summarise then about why we should even think about celebrating the Harvest Festival and really dad it's just about this whole improving your connection to the earth i guess yeah it's it's the sort of the, the living part of the the earth the way that we're related to sort of you know all of our actions and the way we're related to our our food sort of networking how we're part of a food chain and uh how that changes literally months to month season to season really mm. rob do you feel more connected 
when you learn about this kind of stuff because I have to say I do like, I, I wouldn't have had a clue August 1st could have come around any year and I wouldn't be like Miss Harvest Festival definitely and I think even knowing that it's halfway between the summer solstice and the autumn equinox I think just keeps you quite present doesn't it thinking about where we are and the year and the proximity actually between those three things it's like almost on a monthly basis or every six weeks kind of thing and I think yeah, I think I've got a much greater awareness now of where we are in the year and what the planet's doing and where it is and what should be growing and all of the rest. So, no, for sure. That's yeah. been really interesting. Always something to look forward to. Yeah. Is yeah, what I think. yeah. Yeah. And that is what this is all about, really, the connection to, you know, the natural world. And each, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, each one of them seems to be a celebration as well, doesn't it? It's like well, summer solstice yeah. was a celebration mm. of of the summer and and the longest day and everything and now it's a celebration of the harvest and everyone you know presumably the hard work and the fruits of everyone's labor and i don't know yeah there's just more celebrations than i you know yeah. previously and that's an important thing of. to focus on the positive things isn't it as well i think it's really important and it's really important for lamas to be a good celebration because it's it's also associated with a lot of um transformation and transition really because it's about the fact that sort of crops are being taken in so the this sort of on the time cycle effectively that crop is finished but it's not that it's dead it's moved on to the next stage of sort of like all the energy from that crops uh, will be passed into well our systems obviously but will also be stored ready to replenish um you know traditionally in springtime although just as an aside a lot of grain crops are now winter sown but we'll leave that for another time um so it it's not a time of sort of uh death and it's just a time of transition onto the next sort of stage which of course is the same in nature which is why i sort of bring the, the whole grasses uh thing into it but it's exactly the same for nearly all of our plants uh they grow and they f- they flower and they form seeds and they they undergo seed dispersal and then they you know certainly if they're annuals that parent plant withers and dies and its energy is sort of taken back into the soil but all those seeds go away and might remain dormant for some months before suddenly miraculously they they spring back to life so really important to stay positive on it um i'm aware because i know a lot of people who who suffer a bit towards the shorter months that you know we do have a waning sun now and the you know as we look out the window now you see it's pretty dusk um we're we're already entering sort of the the time when we notice longer nights um but it's really important to see the positivity of the seasons coming up and i think in our father nature podcast this this will be a huge emphasis i I just think you know we we're going to banish the winter blues next year I'm looking forward to that. Or this year, yeah. Yeah, this year, definitely, yeah. And it's, I think it is a question of being prepared and having a, a certain mindset about what that season involves, uh, be it autumn or winter. And, you know, there's there's still plenty of celebrations to come. And 
like you're saying, Rob, there's always something to look forward to because, you know, nothing stops the winter. No. The process all goes on. And I'm really looking forward to sort of sharing that. I've I've always, I I do love spring and I love summer, but um, I I have a strange fascination with uh, the sort of winter months because they they can play havoc with your head, but you need to get out and sort of get into it more and enjoy it. There's still a lot happening, so really looking forward to our future podcasts and uh, looking forward to being shedding a new positivity in the dark sort of months you might say yeah definitely so you've been doing some mental health stuff recently haven't you yeah i wanted to do actually a, a shout out um to um lovely deb shepherd who was uh she presented a, a course on behalf of the uh mental health first aid and uh it was a long quite intensive and sometimes quite difficult harrowing uh, course to do um, very very pertinent to what you might call modern life with various uh, sort of I don't know conditions and things which I, I have to say I wasn't even though you know doing 30 years of youth work I thought I'd be quite party to them but not in the detail we we did look at them and the the relevance to what we're doing now is that there were so many things where I kept sort of, it kept occurring to me that detachment from being present and nature consolidates so many of the problems that people are having in mental health terms. And uh, so there's there's too many of them to sort of note in detail, but um, I'll certainly try and sort of look back through the logbook and think, try and track down those individual examples of, of some conditions that would really help if we can get in this case it was young people but uh anybody out into the open breathing fresh air experiencing the freedom of nature and um just giving their anxiety a little bit of a rest and who did that course uh mental health first aid uh it's called so it's uh i think it's mental health england i think it's called it's a um it's a huge organization um and uh the the logbook that went with the actual course was huge and incredibly detailed and have to say i i went on it thinking you know i hope i learn a bit from this and it was non-stop learning it really was Okay, great stuff. Let's get the homework for this episode then. Right, so um, the homework for this episode was actually inspired by a, a combination of programmes. Uh, I'd heard on Radio 2 that they were running a, a campaign uh, looking at the uh, pollinators, and uh, so I, particularly bees. Now, in our, I can't remember which podcast it was, we were talking about the importance of uh, the food chain right from the bottom, i.e. flowering plants, nectarous plants, for the insects. Now, Radio 2 have been outlining this as well, and, uh, and also Country File had a, a good section on it last week. And there is actually an app that's available, and for this app... You can just look at a square meter of sort of you know hedgerow or somewhere in your garden, this that and the other, and 
monitor the number of visitors that you get in the course of something like 10 minutes. Now, I'm not wanting to compete with that. In fact, I'll give it a plug. I think it's great. We are bigger but... than Radio 2 and <laughs> yeah. We've got our own app coming out in the yeah. next couple of weeks. But I think what would be really interesting and really satisfying to do um, is if we go back to our, our favoured place that we've chosen to sort of help us with our connection and actually... I wouldn't worry about the 10 minute thing, this, that and the other. Um, choose a warmish day if you can, a sunny day when insect life's a bit more apparent. But literally take that while that you might be just, you know, looking and appreciating to focus on actually how many insects are landing on those flowers. And uh, you'll see a whole variety. There could be lots of bees, there could be a lot of hoverflies, there might be aphids. Uh, there could be lots of beetles, drone flies. There's there's all sorts of things that it could be. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's even that important to identify them, but I'm just really interested to see how many things you can find foraging for nectar and pollen uh, on the plants in your lovely area. Okay, should be good at the log. Sounds good, yeah. I'll take the little insect book you gave me, I take, think. Yes, mm-hmm. take I can ID book. them. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's sort of, if you if you are interested in that sort of thing, I mean, yes, you've got that lovely little book with great um, uh, illustrations in, but if you get yourself just a, a, literally a jam jar or something like that with a lid, just catch them and have a better look at them and see if you can identify them. There's There's thousands and thousands of insects and, you know... A lot of people, including myself a lot of time, I'm happy to say that's beetle family, that's a shield bug or that's a crane fly, you know, that's a true fly. But that doesn't take it down to species level, uh, which is, you know, pretty much above me at the minute. Um, you know, uh, the, the other lovely thing about nature is because you're always learning. Mm. Is. So, so Yeah. Good, excellent. excellent. And please, as ever, send us your pictures on our Instagram account at Father Nature HQ of either the homework or of you celebrating Lamas or any observations, anything. Just get in touch, send us a message. If you don't have any pictures, ask questions and we'll get them answered for you on the podcast as well. But we wanted to talk about uh, pollinators in much more detail. And so that's exactly what we're going to do for the next episode oh father nature right now is waving a leaf at me Um, so i forgot (laughs) about this again along with bringing my 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 sheaf of oats and things this is something i brought along just to show rob and we will talk about this in our next podcast but rob could you describe what you see here well yeah it's like it's a i don't know it's a well it's a it's a leafy thing and in the leaves it's got almost looks like you've put a hole puncher to it it's reminding me of like emmental cheese yes well Mm -hmm. that's perfect try it then so what's (laughs) (laughs) crackers what's actually happened is uh in our garden we have uh, a bug hotel again more about this in the next podcast and that is being used by leaf cutter bees so those beautiful hole punches have been cut out with the mandibles of a leafcutter mm. bee. And I tell you what, we'll tell you why they've done it in the next episode. Perfect. That'll keep people coming back. Yes. Hopefully, anyway. All right, well, thank you for listening, and we will be back with our pollinators episode 
in a couple of weeks' time.